Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. Lord, none of us have come here just because we had nothing better to do. None of us are online because, well, we were filling in time. Every one of us that's here, God, has got a hunger to grow. There's something about you that keeps drawing us deeper and deeper. There's something about your word that we know contains more than what we already have. So God, we are asking you to help us because we know that this is not like learning maths or learning some science or sentence structure. This is a revelation that we need from you. So God, I pray you will open up the eyes of our understanding. Give us a glimpse, Lord, of what you want us to be so that we can go on that journey and become everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I just don't feel like I'm going to be able to sit down very long, so that's the end of that chair. Uh, I want to speak to you tonight about the journey of faith. And after all the years, and they've been a long time since I gave my life to Christ. But if you would ask me, what is the thing that keeps drawing you forward? I would say it's the realisation that I have not yet plumbed any of the depths of faith. That there's so much more than what I've experienced. When I read the Gospels and I hear Jesus say to someone, according to your faith, be it unto you. Or when I see him having given someone a miracle and he turns to them and says, your faith did that. It intrigues me and leads me on. I go, God, I, I know faith in its doctrine. Now, I've heard many messages of it, but Lord, I want to go on the journey of faith and I want my life to grow in faith, not just in knowledge. Many Christians know more of the Bible the older they get, or they certainly know a lot more of church life. But I'm not sure how many more actually see themselves go from faith to faith. Some people have a great instant kind of faith uh, explosion, and they start with great faith, and they'll pray for all kinds of stuff. But then the older they become, and the more problems or pressures they face, sometimes their faith actually gets weaker as they get older. But I want to talk to you tonight about a man whose faith kept on growing. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, that's his name originally, Abram. Later God changes it to Abraham. And I'll tell you why a bit later. But the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. But it'll be more than that. God goes on and says, you'll be a blessing. You'll get blessed. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. In other words, I'm going to make your enemies mine. The things that oppose you, I will take personally. In you will all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 4 says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. His nephew Lot went with him. 
And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Well, 75, we think perhaps, as being old. But that was the beginning of Abram's faith journey. Chapter 21, verse 1, tells us about the conclusion of that promise. It says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken, because Sarah conceived and bore Abraham, his name is now changed, bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Verse 5 tells us about the passage of time. Verse 5 says, Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Genesis 12 is 75. And 25 years later, this man sees the fulfilment of the promise of God. We need to understand that faith is not a switch. It's not a moment's positive thinking. It's not a few minutes of hopefulness. But listen, for every one of us, faith is always a journey. You may have had amazing miracles in your life, and I've certainly can testify as many others here could as well, of things that are so extraordinary that no rationale would be able to explain them away. You look at them and go, no, that was a miracle. God did that. It was extraordinary. But no matter how many of those stories you may be able to relate, I would suggest to you that as long as you are breathing, your journey of faith is not at an end yet. I'm not saying tonight that your miracle can't be instant or that it has to take a long time. But I am saying to you tonight that God wants you and I to be people of faith, not simply someone with a story of one miraculous answer to prayer or one moment's explosion of faith. Peter jumped out of the boat in the middle of that storm and he walked on the water to Jesus. Now Jesus declared that that act was an act of faith. He said to him when Peter began to sink, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And so Jesus was saying to Peter, It wasn't just that I'd called you, but you were a part of this miracle taking place. It's a hard thing for many of us because if something goes wrong, we go, why didn't God do it? When something goes right, we give God rightly the glory. But many times as believers, we diminish the role that we get to play. We don't pay enough attention perhaps to this inner part of our life, the inner thing that the Bible says is a spirit of faith. Faith is not a mental ascent. It's not believing that God can. The Bible says that we have the same spirit of faith now in Christ that Abraham did. He's called the father of all them that believe. Now, I, I want to take you on a little bit of a journey tonight of discovery and understanding about what it is to become a person of faith. Because I don't know about you, I don't believe that 
God has done everything God's going to do. I don't believe though I've seen the dead raised, that I've seen people born paralyzed get up and walk and the blind born blind see and all manner of miracles like that. I've seen God move in extraordinary ways. I've been a part of literal revivals, not only overseas, but in this nation of Australia where an entire city was buzzing with the news of what Jesus was doing and where people came to Christ just in extraordinary way. But no matter how much of that you may have seen, and some of you that are a part of this service would be able to tell greater stories than mine. And yet the Bible doesn't say that God's finished or that God's stopped. My Bible says that no matter how much I've seen, that He's going to do even more. It says the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I was talking to Lizzie's mum today and she was saying to me, she's a nutritionist with the Diabetic Association, I think. And uh, she said to me today, she said, I often think of that statement you've made many times that God is going to do even more, that the glory of the Lord, He intends to cover the earth, that we will see more people come to Christ in this hour in which we live than all of the great evangelists back there in history. Names are in, in, in beautiful books of biographies and stories of the miraculous. And yet my Bible says that before Jesus returns, He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing that the gospel will be preached to every nation on the earth in every language heaven is going to have people in it from every name and every language group under heaven and a multitude without number will be round about the throne and so you and I if we're going to go on the journey of faith I don't know about you I, I don't want to get to my greatest moment and discover that faith's lacking I don't want to get to my finest hour like the children of Israel did when they got to the river Jordan and all of a sudden having seen God open the Red Sea and they cross over into the promised land and they come back and then in their greatest hour, faith deserted them and they were not able to believe, Hebrews 4 says. Or Hebrews 3 rather says, so we see then that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And so that challenges deeply, challenges my heart. I thank God for the things. I had a man ask me on Friday who's involved in some wonderful things. He said, tell me, what are the greatest things in your life? Oh, he's a business consultant. And I thought that was a pretty fair question. My answer to him was, many people live and die and have nothing worth getting out of bed for other than a job. And for them, retirement is the dream that caps it all off. I get to the end. I said, but I have been privileged by God to be a part of things like this church that is reaching thousands of people both here and around the world. I spoke to him about hope that Bruce mentioned earlier. How many people, I talked to a lady on Friday who when she first came, she came as someone in need. She needed someone to help her. 
a single mum and what was she going to do? She'd been rejected by her people and by her background, by her family. But she came for help and found more than simply a food parcel. She found the love of Christ, literally found the love of Christ. Ended up sometime later coming to church, ended up giving her life to Jesus. Now there she is serving other people, being the hands and the voice of Jesus to these other people. I said, that to me is an amazing thing we get to be a part of. I talked to him about red frogs and about a whole generation that's being impacted. I said, you know, some people say, oh, well, you know, you're not Jesus enough to, when you go to high schools or when you go. I said, well, I thought that's what the Bible told us to do. I thought the Bible said, let them see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so I told him about that ministry and all that it's doing and the doors that are opening up in the Pilbara and up there in the Kimberley in a place that is so dysfunctional in many families. And I said, we're going in there believing that God's going to make a difference. I spoke about transform 15,000 people every week now in one of the poorest countries on planet Earth in a place that's so riven by corruption, but people they are now being discipled to Jesus and finding their life changed. My highlight, my highlight, I think it was the last time I was there, was going to one of the festival events put on by some of the Transform Centres. And a lady who's one of the parents came up to me with an ice block on a stick. Well, I'd already been warned that... It's called typhoid on a stick by the expats. It's not always known to have been made in the most hygienic place, all apologies, but this lady came up to me and she said, Pastor, I wanted to bless you. And out of her own money, she bought a popsicle, an ice block. Well, you know, I was moved by that because that lady, when she first came, couldn't feed her own children. That lady, when she came, had no way to support them. Now she's on the other side of the equation saying, I want to help. I said, there are four things like that in my life, apart from family. That's a pretty big blessing. And all the rest that I said, but, you know, there are four major areas that I look at and go, God, thank you for the privilege of being a part of that. Now, on top of that, I said, there's online, number five. You know, this morning, people from Brazil and people from India and all kinds of places. And I know that in this church, do you know, I've never had anybody say to me, Pastor, you talk about online too much. You know, what about us? Do you know no one's ever come and even hinted at that to me? And I so appreciate the fact that in this church, people understand that the vision is if God opens a door for us to be a blessing, we will walk through it. Amen. We will see God do wonderful things and we I'm pretty can I, I'm just going to take a minute I know my time's going but you know I'm pretty pumped about this this is to me the most exciting thing that's happened online in in forever for a while and the, apart from all the people that say yes and yes text and then all the people that connect and the people that are a part of it every week apart from that apart from the 1500 people that are subscribers to YouTube or Facebook but apart from that it's the, this, that in the next couple of weeks, our very first second generation connect group 
will start with someone who's never been to this building, whose face I've only ever seen on Zoom. And that person in Albania is putting their hand up saying, I've got people that I want to help. I want to disciple them to Jesus. And I'd like to lead an online connect group. And I'm telling you, I'm more pumped about that than I am. Even though I haven't, I've never shaken their hand. I've never been to Albania. I might never get there. Who knows? But I'm pretty pumped about the things that God is opening up. Amen. But I ask myself, but what if my best and biggest days are somewhere up further ahead? Oh, man, I really don't want to be slacking off now and be found wanting when I need faith the most. How did Abraham become the poster boy of faith in God's eyes? Let's read Romans 4, verse 16. So the promise is received by faith. It's given as a free gift. We're all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. I said that earlier. That's what the Scriptures mean when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he'd become the father of many nations because God had said to him, that's how many descendants you're going to have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead as was Sarah's womb. But Abraham never wavered and believed in God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever God promises. What made Abraham the poster boy of faith? What do I need if I'm going to grow in faith? And, and I want to be honest with you tonight. And I, I don't preach theory. I don't really know how to. I, I hear something from God that I want to work into my own life. And I want to see it bear fruit. Uh, I want there to be an outworking of it, not just a tick. Well, I understand that. The first thing that I learn out of this passage is focus. Whatever you focus on, dwell on, will become your faith. Right now in our world, there's an immense amount of focus on injustice and hurt. And I understand the need, I really do. I understand the need to right wrongs. And I understand the need to zero in and bring change where change needs to happen. But don't allow the wrong to become your focus. Make sure the vision of what life will be like after it is what attracts your attention. Possibility, the nature of God versus the nature of mankind. The psalmist David all over uh, so many times because he's been let down by everyone. His own father forgets that he even exists. When the prophet Samuel turns up, and says, I'm here to anoint one of your sons to be king. And he brings out all the guys. And then he goes through and, the, and not one of them's it. And then finally he says, do you have another one? Oh, heck yeah, I forgot about him. He's out looking after sheep. He gets forgotten by his dad. You know, Saul tells him, you can't do the job. It's like his eldest brother says, you're just a naughty boy, go home. 
So it's not like he's inundated with the encouragement team. Come on, if you ever feel like, where's my cheerleader squad? I haven't got one. David's the poster boy for all that. David keeps saying stuff like this. He goes, God, I'm looking at you. I'm not looking at them. Man can let you down. People can disappoint you. Hurt can come. Offences can come your way. But we don't live out of that. We don't make that our focus. Rather, we make what God wants to do. In Genesis 15 verse 5, he says this to uh, Abram. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. Genesis 22, 17. Look at the sand of the seashore. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Now, if you're a desert dweller, God could pick no better way of demonstrating to you the power of your focus than to say this because all Abraham's got to do is walk out his tent door and the entire sky is a panorama of twinkling lights. It's not a few like you see in the city. You get out in the country. Some years ago, I went gold prospecting with a friend of mine and the thing we both commented on more than anything, we didn't find a gold, by the way. Found lots of rubbish. Um, our little metal detectors, we're digging with hope like crazy. We're digging everywhere, turning up files and spark plugs, bullet cases, cigarette paper linings. We found all kinds of rubbish, horseshoes. Oh, we had a collection. Never found anything of any gold. But you know, I remember we would be out there in the middle of Western Australia and we're both going like, wow, look at the sky. Oh, you don't see it in the city. How remarkable. And God says to this man, remember this. Every, and did you notice that he gives him something for the day and something for the night? He says, now, whatever hour of the day it is, I'm giving you something to focus on. He'd walk out of his tent and see the sand in the daytime. And every time he'd hear the voice saying, so shall your descendants be. At night time, when he'd say to Sarah, I just want to have a look at the sky, and he opened up the tent. And he'd go out there and it's covered. See, it didn't matter what was happening around about him. God said to him, I'm giving you something to focus on. To this desert dweller, I don't know how you will do it. Me, I like to get scriptures and I write them on and I write things out on pieces of card just like this and I carry them around in my pocket and I pull them out when I'm praying and I say, God, this is what I see. God, this is what I believe. And God, this is what you said. And I remind God of all the great things because I don't know about you, I find way too easily. So many times I have been in the place of prayer and had amazing clarity of vision and it evaporated by the first red light. Doesn't happen to anybody else, just me. Amen. You know, or you can be in worship and you're lost in the beauty of Jesus. And on the way home, something goes wrong. And the beauty of Jesus evaporates and you're just left with ugly you. Amen. Do I get a witness in the building? Anyway, I really want there to be online where people can press a button and go, yeah, amen, amen. I want an amen button. Can we have an amen button on our new website? You know, the new one would, can we put an amen button? I want an amen button. I, I want to preach it. Preach it, brother, button. I want a woo button. On there. Can we have a range of buttons? Can we have amen? Woo! Go for it. Amen. God. Hallelujah. Can we have a range of buttons that people just click on? 
and then I want them all, and I'm going to get them to light up all across the stage. And so all of you here will go, oh, Johnson in Hyderabad just shouted hallelujah. woo Somebody should invent that. Professor Sven, start working on it. Make you millions. What are you focused on? Find a way to focus. Here's number two. Steady hope. I love that verse in Romans 4 that says he never wavered. That's God being really nice and polite after the fact. Because when you read the story of Abram and Sarah, there was actually quite a few times where they got the faith wobbles in their life. You know, and they were going, what? A couple of times Abram goes, God, how, why is it taking so long? But here's the deal about the faith that Abram had, was he did wobble. He did wonder, but he never stopped believing. He'd get knocked down, he'd just get back up again. Like Proverbs 24 verse 16 says, the righteous fall seven times, but they rise up again. We need to learn to live out of what we believe, not out of our emotions. And I'm, I'm saying this and it sounds so easy. And you know, if, if you know me, I have a, an abiding dislike of cliches of trite statements that people just roll out. Uh, I don't think they're that helpful. But these are not that. They're actually foundations for faith. What are you focused on? Build steadiness into your hope. And lastly, thirdly, get the courage to act in accordance. Let me explain that for a minute. God changed Abram's name to Abraham, means father of many nations. He changed Sarai's name, that means princess, to Sarah, meaning mother. And here they are at 90s, nearly 100. She's nearly 90. And God changes their name. And can you imagine having the neighbours over for dinner? Instead of saying, Sarai, you know, what are we having for dinner? He says, Sarah, and everyone goes, what, oh, what? And she says, yes, Father Abraham. And they're all going like, what? what? what's going on? And he says, oh, God told us I'm a dad. God told her that she's a mother. And I'm just acting according to what I believe. Well, I think they would have been laughed out of town. Imagine explaining that to the neighbours. I'm not asking you to change your name. That probably for most of us will just be confusing. And in a world that's full of tech and all the stuff, can you imagine? I don't even change my phone. Someone said the other day, how come your phone's so old? I said, because the, the pain of changing it over is just too great. I said, sorry, it used to be an early adopter, but no, I'm sticking with the old one. It works. Unless, of course, Apple decides to sponsor Metro Church. <laughs> just putting it out there, you know, like, ah, uh, you know, Pro books and what's that other stuff that Mitch is always after? Amen. Sony. That was a joke. Don't worry about it. It's a joke. I wasn't, I'm not serious. But I mean, you sometimes, sometimes there's nothing I can do to act in faith apart from this. 
I don't know about the rest of you, sometimes when we sing songs like, I'll raise a hallelujah, that is my moment of faith. God, I don't see it, but I see you. God, I'm praising you for the answer I can't see yet. I'm lifting up my hands because you told me to. You said I would that men, women pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. As an act of praise when Paul and Silas are in jail and they're so restricted and there's nothing they can do, they lift up their hands. Well, they put the scripture, I remember one of my children many years ago was diagnosed with a terrible condition that if it had been so, it would have been life-threatening. All I could do was take the Word of God and the scripture and just kept declaring it and 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 declaring it. A thousand times and you go, oh, you positive thinking people, you annoy me. I go, no, you don't understand. It was never that, it was acting in faith. It was just the most I was able to do. There was nothing I could have done medically. There was nothing I could have done in any other way. Faith in the place of prayer in a service is awesome. But are you building that? Are you developing a life of faith on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? How's your faith by Thursday? When you go to work this week and, you know, someone's got the wobbles about your particular industry, what's your heart going to do? You're going to say, oh, yeah, well, it's all terrible. Oh, well, we have no idea. Or are you going to find a quiet spot somewhere and say, God, I'm lifting my hands to you. And I'm believing, Lord, that you're going to look after me. You said that I'm the apple of your eye. You said that your blessing goes before me, not just follows me, but it goes even into the future where I can't go yet. And blessings there, you start changing things around, Lord, so that when I arrive there, blessing is already prepared. That's what Psalm 23 verse 6 says. When you turn up, He's already got it ready for your life. If ever you get the wobbles, and I think we all have, that's okay. Just keep leaning into the Holy Spirit. Keep leaning on the Holy Spirit. And say, God, I want to become a person of faith. Please come, team, if you would. We're going to sing together that song, I Raise a Hallelujah, because I want to give you a moment. Because some of us here will go, Jeff, I'm facing this. Or maybe you're online and where you are right now, maybe you're all alone, you go, there isn't anyone to stand with me, but we are. That's why we're here. Amen. You're just as much here as the people I see in front of me. I want you to, wherever you are, take a minute. You go, oh, I'm a bit self-conscious. Well, forget about that. Let's become God-conscious for a minute. Amen. I don't know anybody here that wouldn't have something in their world or their life that they're saying, God, I need to see change in that. I need help with that. God, I have no idea where that answer's coming from. Can't see any way it could. But God, I'm going to just worship you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to do, I read it just before in Romans there, I turned to it because I love it. It says he gave glory to God because Abraham was not just a man trudging it out. He had joy. Yeah, joy. And what he was doing is saying, God, you got to look after this. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. 
I reckon, Lord, that everybody here and everyone online wants to be a person of faith. We don't want to attend and wait for the end, but Lord, we want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth, changing lives and changing situations. Lord, we know we can't do that just by our strength or by our effort. We need the Holy Spirit of faith. You can't pretend faith. You can't manufacture faith, but you can receive it. So Lord, we want you to touch us tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're in front of me here, you're in the building, let's stand together. Team, we're going to sing together this song. I'll be back in just a minute or so. If you're online, stay with us, worship with us. Whatever it is that you are looking at right now, I want you to say, Lord, I'm raising a hallelujah over that. I'll be back in a minute to talk to those of you who go, Jeff, I don't know Jesus. How do I start? I'll tell you how to start. But let's sing this. Come on. Here we go. I'm Praise the hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a I'll raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me And I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Thursday 
on whatever day it is after that when the band's not here and there isn't the sound of wonderful musicians and singers. It's just you at home. It's just you in the workplace. Because faith is never tested in the presence of God. It's tested when we get out of the presence of God. You know what I mean? It's tested when we get in the presence of the critic. Or when we get in the, the presence of the scoffer. We get in the presence of somebody that says, don't be silly. That's when it gets tested. That's when you've got to raise the hallelujah right there, right now. Some of you that are part of this service will say to me, Jeff, I don't know Jesus. You might know religion of any kind, all kinds. Maybe you've been on a hunt for God for a long time. Maybe you've asked people questions, you've read books, you've listened to debates and hope that somehow or other somebody would tell you the right way to go. Listen to these words of Jesus. Because Jesus never said it was a doctrine. He never said it was some pathway. Listen to these words. He said, I am the way. The way is not a belief system. It's not a set of rituals and rules. It's not, I'm reading a book at the moment on the history of Bethlehem. And there are all these old ancient arguments about stuff. I never even heard of it. Where this group of believers said this was the way. Another one said another way. I don't know. I just keep coming back to Jesus. I just reckon Jesus. He's the answer for everything, don't you? If you've never said yes to Him, don't say yes to a church. Don't say yes to a doctrine. Don't say yes to a religion. Say yes to Jesus. That's what you do. How easy is that? Well, it's this easy. You can go to 0488826392. The number's up on the screen. If you're in Australia, use that number. Text YES. You can go to yes.metrochurch.org.au and put your yes there. Either way, it'll work. When you do that, our team here the next day will start sending you fits on one screen of the smartphone. A different Bible verse every day and a different prayer every day to help you get started in talking to God and listening to God. We'd love to do that for you. Totally without charge, without any pressure. We'll never write and ask you for money or any other such thing. You can do it completely just with that number and that website. It'd be our joy to do that. And I want us again, if we're in the building, because people do this every single week. And I never want anyone to think, well, yeah, but that's out there in virtual land. No, it's not. God sees everyone. He sees your heart. He sees what's behind your yes. We want to congratulate you and applaud you and say, well done for giving Jesus your yes. Come on. Let's just say well done to them. Amen. Amen. Thank you for doing that.